0: Da-dun, 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 da-dun. White noise, noise is what we're talking about. Bill Bombach,
1: Greta Gerwig, Adam Driver, Danny Elfman, and Sound System, Don and White noise. noise. <laughs> What's
0: up, everybody? It is yet another episode of the Movie Time Podcast with myself, Renee, Low Key Geek, and Blake the Wolf. What's going on, what up, Blake?
1: What up? What up? Renee, uh, how the hell are you? It's wintertime, we're getting near the end of the year, which means I've gone to the movies five times in the last week. And obviously you can tell, just like the hair is getting shocked back, I'm getting (laughs) paler over time. But we do it for love of the game, man. I'm excited to talk about this movie in particular.
0: And I I had a feeling you would be. That's why I held myself talking about this movie for a while, because (laughs) I wanted to have a conversation with you about it. And if you don't know already what we're going to be talking about, we are going to be talking about Noah Baumbach's latest White Noise. White Noise. White Noise. um, That is going to be released on Netflix at the end of the month. But if you are lucky enough to live in a major metropolitan area, you have a chance to watch it in theaters right now, in limited release. I, of course, love to brag that I actually saw this at New York nope. Film Festival. Nope. This was the opening nope. night movie of the festival. Uh, basically, it, all night in all their different theaters, they were screening it. Um, it like at least three times each theater that night. Um, I unfortunately wasn't in the the main Alice Tully Hall where they actually had the cast. And Noah there on stage and all that. But regardless, I got to see the movie pretty early um, with, you know, a festival crowd, which I think, you know, it was 50-50, I would have to say, based off of the reaction that I saw there. But
1: we'll get into what?
0: Their, their reaction to the movie as a whole.
1: Oh, like 50, half the people loved it, half the people were more indifferent?
0: I, I think they were just very confused.
1: And 100% of them are the kind of people who brag about going to New York Film Festival. Totally
0: 1000 You talk about New York Film Festival and
1: all I hear is white noise, my
0: friend. That's it, white noise. And before we get into our white noise conversation, if you haven't seen us before and you just happen to come across this video, this is the Movie Time podcast where every week, Blake and I, we talk about and bullshit about movies, usually whatever the big movie is of that week we lucky enough to have seen this movie pretty early before it's more uh global release on netflix so we are very very happy to talk about it if you like what you see you want to see more of us or more of any of this type of content all you got to do is hit that like button subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already hit that notification bell to get notified every time a new video is uploaded if you are an audio listener thank you so much for checking us out on podcast format. If you want an audio version of this episode, just type in Low-Key Geek on your podcast platform of choice where you could download this and many other uh, episodes on there. And if it prompts you, leave a nice rating. It really helps with uh, growing the channel and building the community and all that stuff. So let's get into white noise and no again let me just repeat this is noah baumbach's white noise not to be confused with the 2005 film white noise starring michael keaton totally different movie uh but same title yep look it up if you don't know what i'm talking about okay. it's a, a more of a sci-fi uh thriller movie and, and that involved a lot of radios but um white noise by noam baumbach Uh, Basically, the movie is about... And I'm going to read you a synopsis I got from Google because Google always have the more interesting (laughs) synopsis. Uh, College professor Jack Gladney and his family's comfortable suburban life is upended when a nearby chemical leak causes the airborne toxic event, releasing a noxious black cloud over the region that forces the Gladney family to evacuate. Now, I feel like that synopsis covers a very small part of the movie, although yeah. albeit a, a significant part also as well. Um, this was definitely one of those movies that I, I think a lot of people were not realizing or ready to expect what they were getting themselves into, uh, especially for those who are not too familiar with uh, maybe Noah Baumbach's kind of you know library of work. I think a lot of people were going into this movie only familiar with Marriage Story which obviously back in 2019 was a huge film with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Very gut-wrenching family drama and, and all that stuff like that. I really enjoyed that movie. So me not really knowing a lot of Bombac's films, of course, that was my main reference going into this movie. As we were watching the movie, I think all of us were just like, what is happening? Because... The movie, I should start off by saying, is adapted by a popular book um, by author Don DeLillo. The DeLillo? DeLillo. DeLillo. Don DeLillo. Don DeLillo. And based off of some things that I read after I watched the movie, um, this is a very hard novel to adapt. And I think several people have tried and attempted to do so in the past. Uh, But Noah just said, you know what? F it. I'm going to give my shot. I'm going to go into it. And... First thing you notice right away is that this is definitely one of Bomba's biggest productions that he's probably ever worked on. Um, you could tell like the budget was there. Um, he probably had the full backing of Netflix on this uh, to kind of, uh, you know, give him all the funds necessary to do a movie like this because he took full advantage of it. You could tell by, you know, the special effects, the settings, all that stuff like that. Now I, I, the movie itself jumps around quite a bit and it's a very chaotic sense. And that's what I felt watching it. Um, something I mentioned to Blake earlier, uh, right before we recorded was that if you are a person who has ADHD, um, it's either, this is going to be a movie that you would either love or really hate, right? Because literally it goes from being a family drama to one of those, like, 80s, 90s-style um apocalyptic action type of movies. Then it goes into a little bit of, like, crime thriller and all that stuff like that. And then it ends in this crazy supermarket musical montage at the end um, that kind of very similar to, like, Grease or something like how it ends, right? So it, it goes through all of these different genres, and you could see all of Bomback's probably influences or things that he grew up watching especially in the 80s and 90s and he uses that in this movie to kind of adapt this storyline. Um I wanted to talk to Blake about this because him being a more familiar known Bomback guy and maybe someone who can really see the the intricacies of the movie uh to help fill in some of the things that I didn't really take in because I felt I was. I just didn't know what I watched. Um, was I entertained? Yes, I was. But at the end of the day, when I came home and sat and th- thought about the movie, I was like, "What did I just watch?" I, I'm trying to like, you know, dissect it and like go through everything and all that. And it was a very, very interesting movie to say the least. Very interesting storyline, which really, in the center core of it, really does follow this suburban family and kind of their inner drama and and all that. But another thing that I noticed too is that there is a lot of takes about abundance of information and how certain people will take that information, maybe get paranoid about the, the information that they're reading, or will just gloss over it and say, oh, that's nonsense. We don't have to worry all about that stuff. And we see a lot of those type of conversations within the family. Perfect setting to have that in the 80s when you have commercials, movies, and all that stuff throwing so much stuff at you at the time and kind of flooding your brains with all of this type of uh, poppy information, you know, lovely images and everything like that. But at the same time, we're in the Reagan era, so there's, like, the Cold War and all that stuff happening, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, The dialogue itself was very academic, very, very uh, intelligent, and, like... The one thing that threw me off is like the entire family talks in academic speak,
1: which I was just like,
0: I, I don't know any family who talks like that or converses in that way. Even the kids, the kids were just like, you know, it, it's a, almost you're like you're watching um, like CNN or something like that, like a round table every time they were talking at a dinner table or whatever the case is. Um but but the performances as a whole, I thought, were very well done. You know, Adam Driver, who has already worked with Bombac several times. Greta Gerwig, who rarely acts um, these days. It was nice to see her on screen. Don Cheadle, you know, plays a professor in the same college that uh, Adam teaches at. And I think one of the surprises was Andre 3000, who just show, kind of showed up, like, out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, he's in this movie, too? Um, but I think overall, I was entertained, But I still question what in the world did I watch, Um, you know, and even to this day and the film festival was like already at this point, like two months ago. I'm still trying to dissect it all and all that. Um, We can talk about theater experience real quick because I'm sure, Blake, you are interested in hearing what the reaction was. And like I said, it was primarily 50-50 down the line. I heard people loving the movie and really, you know, saying like this was definitely a huge risk and a huge swing from Noah that landed really well with them. And then you had others who were just like, like me, very yeah. confused as to what was going on. Now, when the movie ended and we had that musical montage, I think I was one of the few that were laughing because I guess it was one of those with all this stuff happening to have it end in such like a. Uh, happy-go-lucky way uh, with like a choreographed musical number at the end at a, a supermarket, which I, I'm sure you'll let me know that the supermarket had a very significant aspect as far as message- messaging uh, throughout. The I market. hope you're
1: not joking because I am absolutely going to get to that l- later. Yes, yeah.
0: I, and, I, and I had a feeling you would, <laughs> you know, uh, so that's why I'm going to leave that to you. But it's so funny how it just ends in that type of setting, Um, you know, again, with like the very Grease-like ending and all that. Um, So, yeah, I think overall people, like I said, 50-50 down the line. Um, And, yeah, I'm sure that they had conversations about this. I'm very curious what people are going to think when this movie lands on Netflix and more eyes are going to be on it. I think when you compare it to Marriage Story, it's a very different type of movie. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we haven't heard about this movie in the conversation of any kind of awards consideration. Because I think it was one of those movies that may have uh, split the opinion on Noah's directing or choices he made in this movie. Um, Compared to a movie that was very to the point and, you know i guess in a lot of people's eyes easier to follow than this movie um so blake yes. first i want to know did you read the book uh, are you familiar with the book at all
1: so i checked it out of the library at one point have been familiar mm-hmm. with the book um for a while cuz it's referenced in a bright eyes song and i used to be an obsessive there um I was looking it up and I remember like college lit classes, like somebody was saying it was on two different syllabi of theirs. Like it is a classic American great novel kind of thing that I'm not sure how seriously people take it. We're not going to get the, like the merits of the novel, but I have not read it. I've been familiar with the import of the novel mm-hmm. um, since, since in, in, in all of my adult years. Yeah.
0: Got it. Okay. So that being said, um, obviously what was the theater reaction like when you went to see it? Now, I'm sure at this point, not a lot of people are probably watching this movie because it has been out in theaters for a limited time for a while now. Um, so curious to hear about that. And obviously curious, knowing that Noah is one of your favorite directors and you, you have referenced him quite a bit on this podcast. What was your initial take on this? What were you expecting also by going into this? I, th- I think I'm very curious to, to know about all that.
1: Yeah, um, I'll get to my thoughts on it in a second, Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. My theater experience is a special one for me where I saw it at Paris Theater in Manhattan, one of my favorite movie theaters. It's the same place I saw Marriage Story um, because it's the one Netflix bought out and has been operating since November 2019. My understanding, the idea was we need to get our movies for Oscar contention. We can't do that on the streaming platform alone. It has to be in theaters. So Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, I saw it on a Saturday matinee, which I'm guessing the evening show had more people, but there was about 10 people in this pretty big movie theater. And when I saw Blonde recently, um, another Netflix movie, it was chock full of people. Um, Maybe the timing, I didn't see it right away, et cetera, but... My other guess is Netflix does not give a damn how many people sit there because they're only doing it to, to, to um, maybe build up some hype and give yeah. East Coast people a chance to see it early, whatever. But other than that, my, they're just doing it for awards contentions reasons yeah. is, is my understanding. The audience were people who were like the 10 people in a city of 8 million who go to see that movie on a Saturday, 2 p.m. Uh, after it had been out for a second. They seem to be into it. Hard to tell when it's a giant, big, classic sure. New York movie theater. Uh, and, can't, and I also sat in the balcony with a friend away from everyone. There was no one else in the whole balcony area. It's my favorite place to sit there, front row of the balcony. So then you have this expanse. It's like chasm over you. And it's this very, like, if you were to show a movie scene of people enjoying a movie in the 1950s with, like, the red velvet seats and everything, it was that feeling um my reaction to it it is my first let yeah Yeah. first let's yeah let's go okay
0: go before you went into the movie what were what what were what were your expectations like
1: so i have been intentionally avoiding spoilers for movies i know i'm gonna see and i used to be more obsessive i want to read everything about it and i've i've learned that i enjoy it more if i go in just totally blank and get rid of that expectations game I knew enough about it from the content I just come across. Mm-hmm. That it was going to be a more cinematic movie, that it was an adaptation of Don DeLillo's book that I hadn't read. And then I'd seen uh, I'd portions of the trailer where it shows Adam Driver's costume. And when I saw that, <laughs> I just clicked off the trailer. I was like, I, now I know everything I need to know. I will definitely be seeing this movie. Yeah. Um, I have o- I went over all of the Noah Baumbach movies. And other than some random 97, 1997 movie, And a documentary he made. I've seen all the other movies. And he's been a favorite of mine since college. For sure. Um, I'm going to try to not geek out too hard. But overall. it's one I knew I was going to go see this movie. As as soon as I could. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be cinematic. And that some people were kind of mixed reviews on it. So whatever you said about New York Film Festival. I'd gotten that impression too. That it wasn't going to be for everybody. uh, Which. I found uh, made me more optimistic about it. It being a more cinematic one, uh, mm-hmm. a bigger spectacle for the Noah Baumbach movies. Who's done a lot of just indie talky, yeah. just Two people in a train, in a car, in an apartment, just talking for a couple hours type movies. Mm-hmm. So the idea of him getting a bigger palette to play with, a bigger canvas, and the fact that it's turning some people away, uh, turning people off, I was like, oh, this is probably exactly <laughs> meant for me. My expectations were definitely exceeded. I was worried I would go into it and be bored Mm -hmm. by an indie filmmaker trying to make a bigger movie after getting the most awards recognition he'd had uh, Mm -hmm. in his career. To my mind, after Marriage Story and getting a bigger check from Netflix for being one of those people who, when we did our Netflix episode, uh, we we talked about Noah Baumbach movies and, and a bunch of directors who get big checks from Netflix and then it flops. He's one of the yeah. few that it's really paid off, at least if they're trying to go awardsy. He gets a bigger check. This might be the biggest check he ever gets. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it'll ever happen again. I'm curious how the reception is. My hope is this has some real award season legs and that people come around to it. And it has more of a little engine that could vibe mm-hmm. and people take it seriously Cause it's obvious at least they liked his last movie. And sometimes once you get in the door of the Academy, people take all your movies after that more seriously. Um, I'm curious how, how this one is received. I don't know that it will get a better like audience who's primed for this movie, than New York film festival where you were. And if it's 50, 50 there, that's not promising for box <laughs> office reasons. And if it's viewed and perceived as a flop or a failure, then I'm, I'm curious, maybe also the Academy might turn its back on the movie, which they they do that sometimes too. Um, this might be a year of awarding the big Avatar 2, Top Gun, Wakanda Forever type movies, because the industry has been so desperate for box office returns. And when a movie flops, it seems like it, this might be a bad year for the Academy to take it more seriously. Uh, back in the day, you'd have a movie like Hurt Locker winning Best Picture, even though it didn't make a ton of money early on mm. in the box office. And now it seems like even a movie like The Whale, people are starting to turn away from just because it doesn't seem like it will be successful, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, that's uh, among other reasons. So we'll see. Um, so overall, I had a great time in the theater. I absolutely put myself with this movie. You talked about the ADHD problem where the movie's jumping all over the place. It was at the exact wavelength and frequency that I needed from this movie. So it definitely exceeded my expectations. I had a great time. Went with a buddy and we walked through Central Park afterward. outside uh, <laughs> the, the Paris Theater, talked about it. And they were less hyped about it. But mm-hmm. I definitely was mm-hmm. in that mode where I was kind of like going off about all the things I enjoyed about the movie. Um, Noah Baumbach being one of my all-time favorite write- screenwriters and directors. He's got more credits as a screenwriter, including uh, some of my favorite Wes Anderson films. Um, but... I've seen all Noah Baumbach movies, except one from the 90s and one random documentary. This is maybe my favorite of all time. It's a little too mm-hmm. soon to say that. But the other thing I'll say about this movie, I, I know we can get into some of the themes at, uh, of the movie overall. It's dealing with the, uh, the intellectual thing, which you mentioned families don't talk that way. I know that my family, to a degree that way and there are some people in intellectual world that do it is rare and it is very literary but also this movie goes above and beyond on all of that because it's based off of a Don DeLillo novel which part of the reason people were saying it was unadaptable is there's whole chunks of the novel that are just talking about ideas Mm -hmm. and it would have been a weird movie if Adam Driver just been narrating on his thoughts on existentialism Uh, And so instead, they they kind of put that into the dialogue here, which I really enjoyed the dialogue of this movie. One of my favorite things of any Noah Baumbach film. I come to him for that even more than the directing. Um, The movie deals with academia, capitalism, and consumerism, especially of the Reagan 1980s. It's dealing with fascism and populism. The main things, this movie's announced in 2021, I think a couple reasons why it's a timely film is it deals to some degree with the Trump presidency. um, And it's also dealing with, there's something in the air that's requiring people wear face masks. And what's Mm -hmm. it like when you're stuck in a location with your family and are scared? And I wouldn't be surprised if Noah Baumbach said, and hey this is now the time to make the white noise movie that he rereads it and goes oh this is perfect so (laughs) overall um happy to break it down further but it is my second favorite movie of the year as of now right behind everything everywhere all at once i'm not sure how it lands on the final rankings i can't imagine anything surpassing everything everywhere. Mm-hmm. But also I then looked at the other movies from this year and nothing's close to that two spot. So I think my one, two and maybe my three with tar are all pretty locked up, but all that to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie.
0: Wow. To say that that it's your number two movie of the year, that that's, that says a lot, but I also do feel like this is a you movie. This is definitely a movie that was really catered for you, yep. uh, especially knowing you for so long. That's one of the reasons why I'm like the the frenetic pace of the movie, I knew immediately it's like, oh, Blake is going to love this because, (laughs) you know, I know that's how your brain works. Right. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. But before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one there are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. It also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how you but for me some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach makes me a little burpy and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up uh, which is something that i need for my coffee every day bulletproof also offers a lot of keto friendly snacks and supplements anything that you need to kind of add to your everyday nutritional needs add to your diet pretty much transforms the way you feel every day so for a limited time if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now low key geek all caps one word, you can get 15% off your order. So what is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with bulletproof coffee. Now, back to the episode. Um, but yeah, let's talk about a little bit about the the messages and the themes and, and maybe you could help shed some light on some of the more abstract or I don't. I don't want to. Maybe absurd is the wrong word, but maybe the over, um, uh, the the over-dramaticizing of certain things and and discussions that they had. Right. So, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was when Adam Driver's character and Don Cheadle's character had a, a professor off, I guess you could say. Um <laughs> which was so intense and it was a huge chunk of that part of the the movie. Like yeah. I thought like that took a long time. So basically to give a little bit more insight on Adam Driver's character, he specializes in uh history, but more along the lines of um kind of Germany, Nazi history, especially with Adolf Hitler Hitler and all that. Well, and then Don Cheadle was putting together uh, a class that talked about the importance of Elvis, right? And I think it was one of those things where which figure held the most importance in pop culture and history or, or something along those lines and it was basically them you know creating arguments going back and forth. it was like a tennis match an academic tennis match on all I'll of these facts and all that.
1: the the breakdance battle yes. the dance off scene yes. but professor, i didn't i viewed it as more collaborative than that where don Cheadle invites him to I join think, the
0: class i think yeah i think at like towards the end it that was more clear um, but in the beginning, it felt more like uh, like like uh, well, I know this, and this is my guy. You know this, this is your guy. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. But you're right. I think it was at the end. It, came, it became more clear that it was more of these are the reasons why you can compare the two as to their importance in our history and pop culture, and you know, in the eyes of the populace. Right. right. So, how did how would you break down that scene and like? Basically, like, you know, what significance did that have in the movie and what they were trying to tell overall?
1: So that is a perfect, that scene is a perfect encapsulation of what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. where is very intellectually stilted and highly literary dialogue. But it's also like there's two monologues happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when Greta Gerwig is in dialogue with Adam driver in this movie, it's more like each character is giving their own monologue and there's not a lot of exchange happening there. And it's not very natural. It's very stilted. This is a perfect encapsulation of that. And it's also touching on a couple of the themes we're talking about. So in a way it's almost parodying highly Mm -hmm. intellectual academic bullshit. There's something existential all throughout the movie, but it's. I do genuinely think the movie is in on the joke and is aware the things that these characters are taking seriously are pretty farcical and don't Mm. really matter at the end of the day. I'm not trying to say that what they're studying doesn't matter, but that these, like, Adam Driver is obsessed with Hitler's studies. But he's not really dealing with the emotional impacts of those things. He's excited for the upcoming Hitler conference and is right, right. like picking out his outfit for it and like, oh, but that's coming up. I need to borrow a car. And he's more in the minutia of the day to day. Right. And, and Don Cheadle's character is consumed with Elvis Presley mm-hmm. and thinking about the implications of that, which funny time uh, when Elvis is going to be an awards contender for sure. Right. Like, <laughs> Time for uh, Don Cheadle to just dunk on Elvis for uh, almost every scene he's in this movie. Yeah, it's also that's the one of the scenes where if you wanted to make uh, the if No Bombach is adapting a book that already existed, but he gets to choose which parts am I going to put in this movie? And if he wanted to make some commentary on Trump, I'm not going to make any big comparisons over um, Hitler, Elvis, and Donald Trump. But there is something to be said <laughs> about the fervor experienced yeah. in that moment this is part of why i think the movie's in on the joke they're showing scenes of obsessive fans for both elvis and hitler mm-hmm. in historical documentary style footage while they're describing what it's like when populism strikes and these people have a crowd um, frothing at the mouth in excitement yeah. of this figurehead and the scene ends with the class doing the same for Adam driver's character totally. And, yeah. And there's, so that's a meta commentary and that's why I think the movie's in on some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. And if someone doesn't get it, they might think that this movie is a big problem or very, you know, full of itself. I actually thought that the movie was kind of taking the piss at times out of the characters mm-hmm. and their self seriousness. So I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. And it's it's a it's a popular thing in like uh, literary criticism now is to deflate people that are in the canon. And why do we? And same as Don Cheadle is doing with the Elvis character, why do we take this person so seriously? And he's kind of claiming it's good that Elvis died young, it, similar to like a JFK style. Then they get to be immortalized. Yeah, well, that was actually a good thing for the legacy of Elvis. Um, this movie is part of. It is a 2022 movie adapting a 1985 novel. And I think to some degree, at least, it's taking the piss out of the novel or at least the characters in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, the main main themes, which obviously there's the whole apocalypse of the movie, which that is one of the things where my, my expectations were thrown. I didn't know that there would be some of that going on, the toxic airborne event just being in the synopsis of the movie. Yeah. I thought that would be the culmination of the movie. This would be mainly we're fighting off, you know, we're in a zombie survival movie, road trip, we need to, to survive and stay alive movie. That's mm-hmm. not the most, that's not the climax of the movie. No. That's not where the movie ends. That's in the middle of the movie, which I think is also saying something. Uh, I definitely am going to watch this one a couple, few more times, uh, and maybe around award season. Hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about it some more then. But yeah, those are, those are at least a couple of the big themes from this movie.
0: Yeah, no, it was it, 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 it was yeah, it was really interesting too because I think when the whole toxic event thing happened, it did throw me off too because I, I you, you spend the first act of the movie really enthralled in not just the family but the the academics of it all. You know, like especially I I, I think it's safe to say the first act of the movie ends with that Hitler Elvis discussion debate sound off professor off whatever you want to call it. Um And then it jumps into this dramatic, you know, action sequence, whatever, that's very similar to like a Spielberg close encounters or whatever the case is, um, where everyone now is like running away and, um, you know, trying to flee for their lives while this big thing happened and all that. But just to touch a little bit on the Don Cheadle character, too, and how he kind of um, views things very differently. The movie starts off with him showing a car crash or scenes of car crashes to his students and how he's trying to romanticize it in a way right where it's just like oh you know this is a very beautiful moment and this and that but but for something that is tragic in many people's lives and he's you know spinning it and kind of romanticizing about it and all that so it is very interesting how that kind of translated into his Elvis discussion or you know especially when you go up against a figure like Hitler and all that stuff um but yeah the the toxic airborne thing happened pretty much in act two uh which was like very very interesting and I guess in a way you could kind of say like this is was his like little nod to the whole pandemic and how you know things. You know how people react to those type of events. How it changes the dynamics within a family or within a community or w- whatever the case is. And we saw a lot of that where people were going nuts. Like you know, well, it starts off more of like a communal thing where hey, everyone hang out here. You know, we're all going to keep each other safe. And then when thing when you know shit literally hits the fan, everyone's out for themselves and everyone's going nuts and no one's watching out for anybody. And, and now it becomes survivor of the fittest, right? Uh, which was really fascinating. um but yeah this movie also does go into a lot of the consumerisms. Uh, one of the things I, I brought up earlier was the supermarket. um one thing i also noticed throughout the movies that since this does, this does take place in the 80s you'll see TVs in the background with all of these commercials of like new coke or whatever the case is really throwing like these products at you and when you if you pay attention to the supermarket there's a lot of conversations about specific types of food or brands. And then you have one aisle that is all strictly generic where it's just like white packaging with black letters on them and all that. And there's like the debate on, you know, as to, you know, who leans towards what or whatever the case is. Right. So what was your like more take on the whole consumerism aspect or messaging that was kind of portrayed through in this movie?
1: Yeah. There's a, there's another version of this movie where it's, Not as uh, based on the pandemic, and it's more Mm. based on on environment, which we're seeing a slow leak of a a semi that has toxic gases and fumes, and they're talking about all of that and the fear there. And that environmentalism is directly linked to consumerism. So if this had been a few years ago, this might be one of those movies where, uh, which a lot of movies now are talking about environmentalism. It's so in the air, literally. And in the water, ah, hey. thank you. <laughs> but, but it's almost like dr- people can't help themselves. And even a movie that's not about that, it can be read that way. Yeah. So I think this movies have a much deeper take other than this movie set in the 1980s in Reagan era. It's actually, the, the book, it seems, is vague when it's set, just late 20th century. This one's 1984 is the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Reagan either is about to win uh won the second election by a landslide um that is a theme of a lot of 1980s content uh consumer and then there there's something to be said about when you're looking back at that era and then where we are now and things were very optimistic and every family can have two cars and and right two all just printing money and that american dream which Uh, turns out was a bit more of a um, house of cards Mm -hmm. and and or just a a Potemkin village illusion. So now we're looking at it with the cynicism of 2022. Right. And getting to make connections of like, oh, right, the mega consumerism of that era has real consequences. So I don't know that the movie is, I don't think it's too overtly trying to link those things, but I think those concepts are both very heavily in the movie. I don't, I'm curious because I, I, now I'm actually like, I was literally looking at the library, like, when is, when is uh, White Noise going to be available at my local uh, New York Public Library? Mm-hmm. I want to read it and, and get more on that. But th- that to me is very uh, uh, surface level. These things are directly linked to each other. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, then when you, when we proceed to the third act of the film, that's when it starts becoming more of like a crime. Thriller, whatever the case is,
1: you get a little story stuff going on in there for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's very interesting because we we learn to find out that a um, uh, Greta Gerwig's character, who is no who is uh, Adam Driver's wife, is somewhat addicted to medication as a certain type of medication that causes a rift within their marriage and you know the family and all that. Then they start to find out that she's getting these drugs from like a black market source, and the source is. Uh, Holding her hostage at one point and Adam Driver becomes now the the guy who's supposed to save her and become this big hero Um, you know tracking where this is being taken place ends up killing the guy right Uh, and it becomes this whole like well what are we gonna do with the body situation and it's so absurd in many different ways um, but again, it it throws the viewer into another direction that maybe you weren't expecting. How? What was your take on how it kind of shift tones so so dramatically in that way? And was there a specific thing they were trying to portray during that those moments?
1: <laughs> I do not know. I only know that I loved it and that with my ADHD brain it was like perfect. I never want to spend too <laughs> much time stuck in a car on a road yeah. trip family especially if there's bickering going on or um the person in the passenger seat is uber depressed there's the movie does a good job of jumping around and so they're stuck in the car underneath the toxic airborne event there's then they have to get gasoline there's a a a very bonkers car crash uh Mm -hmm. throwing back to the don cheadle the opening monologue there's a chase scene in the middle of it where they're going. Th- yep. There's they're then stuck in the river, um, for a bit with their car. Th- this even when it's stuck, in the evacuation route, it's still jumping all over the place. Mm-hmm. Then the movie does a similar thing in the whole plot. So now it's I don't know how much long after, but it's essentially like, oh wow, that was weird. Um, a character is losing their mind. Like, doesn't anybody care? Right, that this has happened to us um then they pretty quickly move on and there's this new normal concept that they're dealing with um and and then going on about their lives and there's other things that consume them there is an aspect and this is i think (laughs) i'll do it now the big theory of the movie which maybe it's obvious or not obvious in the book maybe (laughs) on the rewatch i'll think this is dumb as hell but on the first viewing of the movie Adam Driver's character is exposed to the toxic airborne event at least long enough to concern people, yeah, and has this big fear: oh, I might be dying because of that. He then starts going to the doctor regularly, is lying to the doctor about the amount of exposure. Mm-hmm. It's possible Aaron Adam Driver's character died between Acts Two and Acts Three. Interesting. It is very possible that Adam Driver's character dies when getting shot and that the grocery store dance sequence is the purgatory, which is mentioned much earlier in the movie by Don Cheadle about what the grocery store is and its place in our lives is this like liminal space. And at some point, a character is saying, are you ready to go through the sliding doors? And there's something like magical. <laughs> and Don Cheadle does a beautiful monologue about this place has all of the colors and all of the smells and underneath these white phosphorescent lights. like There's a version of this movie where Adam Driver has died. uh, There's an interpretation where Adam Driver's character has died and the things that happen after that are more dreamy. The fact that they... We'll we'll skip over the sicko-bizarro hotel room scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, At least for now. But that's a very bizarre circumstance he's in. Then he and Greta Gerwig kind of get shot. Uh, He gets kind of shot. Greta Gerwig gets shot. There's a man who's dying, thought he's dead. He's not dead. Who had been Greta Gerwig's tormentor, giving her the black market drugs. In a creepy hotel room, he's watching TV. And this man's out of his mind, off the meds that he created, mad scientist style. Fascinating place to be. Glad they didn't spend too much time there. Love it when a movie jumps around (laughs) in a place like that. He then goes to run off to the emergency room. It is a neon cross. Mm -hmm. It's a German language emergency room with German nuns who mostly speak German, but some English. And at some point they're asking to be comforted by the nuns. And the nuns are saying, we will not comfort you and tell you that there's a better place in heaven. They're like, you don't believe in heaven? And the nun goes on another. This movie is great at long, uh, highly literary monologues. The nun does a whole thing about how dare you ask me to comfort you. We believe in these things so that the world doesn't fall apart, but I don't personally believe in this bullshit at all. It's a very surreal experience Uh to have neon sign, church turned into emergency room, with them, like they open a drawer and they throw the gun in there, and it's just all these weapons that people have had to like confiscate when they're coming into the emergency room. There's a lot of absurd and surreal dialogue throughout the movie, but this is maybe the peak of the surrealism. So it's possible yeah. none of this is really happening necessarily. And I, that's always one of my favorite things to do in any movie. Like, it's possible Top Gun Maverick was all just a big uh, 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 afterlife dr- dream, it was all a dream. I love that opinion of Top Gun Maverick. This one, it feels even more real because the man's not only been shot, but he's also been exposed to a toxic airborne event. Right. There's also a drug that uh, the uh, Greta Gerwig's character is taking where you have memory lapses, but also the things you see. And if someone tells you words, so if someone says bullets are flying at you, they would then believe that bullets are flying at them because of where it hits the imagination part of their brain or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Toxic Airborne event is said to induce deja vu at some point during the movie because it hits on... They they didn't call it the imagination part of the brain, but like the false memories, false perception part of your brain. So now we have Greta Gerwig's character and Adam Driver's character who are both subject to possible mental and memory lapses. I don't know what to believe after after that's established. I love it and I eat that up but if someone wants to take this movie at face value as being full of itself and taking itself too seriously and and I, I that's to me a, a, at least the wrong foot to start yeah. on when in interpreting this movie and, and what it's about. Do you I don't know what else you want to talk about on the plot. If anything I, or if you just want to talk about that sweet grocery store scene cuz I'm I'm I yeah, can talk about this movie all day.
0: Yeah, we we could, we could talk about that but I think one of the things you said it it, it hit you hit it right on the on, right on the head surreal a lot of things in this movie was very surreal and I, I I think one of the things that made it fascinating and somewhat entertaining for me was that plus the parroting of so many things in real life you know like 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 you said a lot of things were like a little bit over the top. You know, the way the family dynamic was, the way like, you know, people view academia, the way people ingest information, the way people react to certain situations and all that. Now, if the uh, the theory that you just explained is accurate, basically, you're telling me that we just watched all seasons of Lost in one movie. And yep. basically, <laughs> had like an event that pretty much could have killed you know, a person or multiple people, and now we're just seeing their life live out in this dreamscape limbo-ish kind of uh, existence, um, which also explained why there was such a big jump in tone in the third act and all right.
1: that, right? Also it's possible based on the long-term consequences of a toxic airborne event I was recently uh, exposed to that we were all kind of exposed to. It's possible this conversation isn't even happening and oh, we're not on YouTube right now cuz it doesn't make no. sense that, that would be the case either.
0: Yeah, no, no, we're we're totally I I'm like talking to an ant at this point. Like you're talking to a glass of water. And you know, we think this is going on the internet somewhere, but it's really just, you know, it's 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 aliens are watching this as we're losing our minds and all that. And they're laughing at us right now. And they're probably surpassing this planet because our resources have been tainted by I mean, humans.
1: I, I might be a brain in a jar. I might be a character in the book. Yeah. White is by Don DeLillo. I have no 100%. idea. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: But, uh, but yeah, so to cap the movie, it ends, like I said, uh, the best way I could describe it is like an 80 ish, an 80s-like movie with like one of those musical montages, very similar and akin to like Grease, how that all ended, where you have this big choreographed dance number where they were able to get LCD sound system to reunite to do the, the ending song in this movie. And it takes place, as you've mentioned, in the supermarket that could be looked upon as uh, purgatory or whatever the case is and that's basically how the movie ends and it it's a really long choreographed dance musical number which again crazy and surreal mm-hmm. but that's was pretty much what you got throughout the whole movie so in essence it was a perfect ending for a movie like this like like how how did you take it when you started seeing that number start to play out
1: i was elated by everything that happened there i had enjoyed the movie so much i'm literally it's even hard for me to talk about the movie on this i told Mm -hmm. you beforehand where i was sitting on the edge of my seat and letting it wash over me and not taking notes and just soaking it in i really had a great time at the theater and then it ends with a classic indie band original Mm -hmm. song including absurd dance sequences. With Andre three thousand, (laughs) yeah, a little shaking number, lifting a box, doing
0: his little shimmy,
1: yeah, amazing
0: in the generic aisle too. It it was a generic aisle, yeah.
1: That's all I've ever wanted in this life, whatsoever. (laughs) It reminds you mentioned Greece. It also reminds me of La La Land, where it's a current setting of the that old hollywood style music numbers mm-hmm. where it's just like why are these people dancing in the grocery store out of nowhere yeah it also evokes to me um i have the movie poster for jack Demi's uh, umbrellas of cherbourg on my wall it, it, it evokes that um i have from the paris theater shout out to netflix for the sweet, sweet yes that's We're awesome spotlight moment of the white noise it's it has the the movie name and no bomb box name on it but it's a reference to the grocery store scene i was so proud to walk away with that bit of merch after that sequence it's mm-hmm. an almost seven and a half minute song and if i'm looking at the lyrics and trying to do some interpretation it definitely helps with the purgatory theme um but it's definitely saying um the i need a new body i need a new body i need a bit of shape and tone um, mm-hmm. i I'm, we're not going to do a deep dive in the lyrics i think this no. is open to interpretation enough that you could take it at face value or you could say there's something deeper and we could talk about it at, at the diner after seeing the movie for 2 hours mm-hmm. definitely if you're going to go i would take the friend who is into this weird crap like me i think you would have been <laughs> a lot more if you if we'd just been able to have that long walk totally crop.
0: totally um, which 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 honestly if you remember i had an extra no, ticket
1: no, that no, night I- Nope. oh yeah
0: i wanted to bring us up i had an extra ticket but you already had plans that night so you could have been with
1: me opening My, uh, night
0: of new york film festival watching Nolan ba- one white noise but say love
1: me of that the retro fomo feels so good i, I, really <laughs> do good it. I don't want to talk about why um I I always want okay. There's also there's people who are into movie musicals and there's people who hate it. Yeah. They go, it doesn't make sense why everyone danced out of nowhere and they all knew the words and it's so dumb. I love that shit. I love escapism. I love highly cinematic things. I couldn't have asked for an, a, a better ending this movie. I kind of hope the uh, LCD sound system gets nominated for original song. That's in the card. They could. They could. we have been yeah. doing a long run in Brooklyn of concerts now that they mm-hmm. are back together. Um, I'm. I can't. Uh, I was gleaming. I was beaming. I was so excited. I actually thought about dancing in the theater because that is uh, a style of dance that I really enjoy—just absurd, repetitive movements. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very fun moment. Um. Yeah. I. I. Uh, I I'm essentially speechless about. It. I'm glad that we were able to fill up this much time because I still I need to watch it a, a good handful, a few more times.
0: I, I have to say, no, now hearing that theory. It makes me now want to rewatch it with that in mind now and watching the events as they unfold, because I could now walk away thinking very differently about this movie than I did originally. Because, again, what I like to do, especially a movie in a festival setting, I try not to read up anything about it. You know, I I dress. Oh, that's the director. Oh, that's who's in the movie. okay you already piqued my interest. I'm going to check it out. And then I watch it very fresh. I don't watch the trailers and all that stuff. And most of the time, movies at festivals don't even have trailers, right? Maybe because this is the first time you're getting exposed to said movie or whatever the case is. So going into this movie so clean and so fresh and not knowing much of anything, of course, I'm going to be taken back at certain things. And it takes me maybe a little longer to process a lot of stuff. I mean... You already know we talked about my reaction to Bones and all when I walked into that movie, not really realizing what the theme was in there at all. So now seeing the movie, having a chance to talk to you about it, hearing that theory, now I kind of want to rewatch it with all of that in mind and see how I'm going to react to this movie now. Because I think a good amount of time had definitely passed since I saw it. that I could, in essence, kind of come into it somewhat fresh and not, you know not tainted in my, my thought and judgment of the movie as a whole or whatever the case is. Uh, I think it's also good to mention um, that Danny Elfman did the score of this movie, which was so fitting, especially during the action scenes and all that, you know, during the second act and bleeding into the third act and all that. So um, if we're going to be talking about soundtracks and all that, there is another possibility that Danny Elfman could be considered for this movie, right?
1: Yeah. No, I I mean, anytime Danny Elfman's name shows up in the credits, I go, all right, this is, this should be good. I think the last thing I would say is if, if you're the kind of person who is terrified of the word existentialism, and if a movie is talking about those kinds of things, don't see this movie necessarily, or you just go into it knowing you might not enjoy it. But if you are that person, I would still say enjoy this movie as a satire and as Mm. a send up of that stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know who this movie is for other than I know. (laughs) I know that you just said, okay, what movie would Blake Wolf want to see in 2022? And then wrote a movie perfectly scripted accordingly. I'm curious what the reception is like after this. But I, for one, it, it worked on me. Nice.
0: Well, and again, I had a feeling it would after seeing it. And I think, again, I actually did try to formulate a a single video review and I, I recorded it three times changing the dialogue multiple times and i said you know what let me just wait for blake to watch it and then we could just do one of these episodes so that we could actually fully talk about it you know truth this is the truth i have all the video files to prove it
1: Uh, (laughs) i want to say so so i don't post them do not yeah no i'll just share it to you just see my take
0: and take i was like, oh no this is not working out what the hell am i talking about
1: the uh, intersection of (laughs) cards And I don't know. What the fuck was that? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it, yeah. It, it,
0: it is true. It is very hard to describe this movie to someone who is not into those type of movies or just into that type of... um. I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. But to recommend this movie would be extremely difficult, right? Unless you are like us or whatever the case is. Or if you are very open to different types of storytelling. I, I think you'll you'll definitely take something away from this or or get a kick at certain aspects. Um, Who this movie is for, again, it's very hard to say, but if you were to describe, like attach keywords to describe this type of movie, I mean, parody, satirical, um, you know, consumerism, uh, what what else would you add in there?
1: Uh, Literary, existentialism is to me one of the biggest ones, which I know we talked, I'm not going to get, deep into it we talked about the possibility that adam driver's character died there's moments where there's an interpretation of a lot of the dialogue that references something don cheetah was saying earlier that all plots are plots towards death and that the toxic airborne event the drugs that are happening the psychic death happening in the characters the people getting shot that like and the grocery store it could just be a whole thing about the meaning of life death Mm -hmm family what our purpose is here etc and just an angst someone working through their angst of that issue right. in a uh, post-pandemic society um sorry the movie's pre pandemic but the director and the screenwriting and all that is just like working that issue out that someone a lot of us had a little too much time to just sit and ponder oh yeah what are we doing yeah uh, no for sure my, my concern on the I'm, I'm realizing now what happens with uh some of these movies they go on netflix and people go Oh, *Marriage Story*. I like that. Let me put this yep. on. Adam Driver. I love *Star Wars*. Let me put yep. this on. Oh, interesting. A *Stranger Than Things* style, uh, *Stranger Things* style, '80s mm-hmm. um, apocalypse type Spielberg movie. Oh, for sure. I'm gonna put that on. And they're just gonna go, "What the? Ooh, fuck exactly. Yeah. It has to me it has more in common with Annette than anything that somebody would like. The bizarre Adam Driver movie yeah, right? yeah. musical from last year. Um, which is another one that had some musical sequences that were so out of this world, uh, surreal modern times, though. I think that this will have a lot. Th- this might be one of those where the audience favorability ratings will be very low, but yeah. the people who are in on it, the, the coastal elites, the critics, etc., they might like it more. So, I'm sure I, I have a feeling we'll see, but I have a feeling we'll talk about this one more in the coming months as we do awards stuff.
0: I, I would hope so because I, I it, it definitely does lend to good conversations, especially like of the films that came out of this year. It it definitely, in in a lot of ways, it does stand out. It really does because yeah. it is, in, in a lack of a better term, it was very bizarre, you know, but that could be interpreted as a good thing or for some, it's a bad thing. Looking at some of the ratings that I see online, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 63%. Letterbox your your platform of choice, has it at 3.3% out of five as an average oh, score. Um yeah, IMDB has it as six point five wow. and Google users rated it seventy percent like this movie. But again, it's not it hasn't been fully released uh globally yet. So this is just I a think handful a of those numbers go
1: down once the average person sees it yeah. on accident. Because like yeah. the Letterboxd film bros are I, I count myself among them. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a movie for that person. Wow. Okay. So yeah, well, maybe maybe uh, I'm glad I got all my thoughts on white noise out today I'm not <laughs> sure how much we'll be talking about it in the future. Yeah. But uh,
0: who, who knows? Maybe this conversation helped us formulate some sort of an opinion for for those of you who either have watched it or are curious in watching it. I don't think we gave a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff away, but This is the type of movie that you could actually hear two people talking about intricacies of the plot and what happened in the movie. And you could still watch this movie and still have it very freshly told to you while you view it. Because we we didn't cover a lot of the other stuff that happened throughout this movie. So definitely, definitely curious as to what all of you think about this. Is this a movie you are planning to watch? Is this a movie you happen to already watch? All your thoughts, comments, feelings about the movie. We would love to hear it. We would love to hear your discussion. Are you familiar with Noah Baumbach's you know, line of work? Did you like Marriage Story? I don't know if we should even bring that up because this is a totally different movie than that. <laughs> but let us know in the comments. I think to close things off, and we, we talked about *Letterbox*. hearing what the average rating was, what was your rating for this movie?
1: Five out of five, and it immediately went onto my top 150 movies of all time list. Wow! I'm thinking it might be a. This is too early. It might be a top 30 movies all time for me. Like amazing. Okay. I really like this one, and the fact that other people don't like it actually makes me like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's something.
1: Yeah. Let me in the comments and let me know why I'm wrong. And you know what? It'll just inspire my passion for this movie. I'll I'll be so excited about it. Nice. Nice. I don't have a Blu-ray player. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's amazing But again, I'm not surprised because This movie does scream you uh, It's like a perfect movie for you But that all being said And out of the way, that has been our episode Of Movie Time, thank you so much for tuning in And joining us on this conversation of White Noise Before white we head out White, white Noise, noise. Da-dun, 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 da-dun. Before we white end episode noise. Blake, where can they find you it's Online
1: Letterboxd.com and my username is blake wolf s s n that's b l a k e w o l f s s n
0: nice very nice and as for me obviously you could see all the screen handles on the screen loki geek instagram twitter uh more importantly facebook not facebook youtube <laughs> who goes on facebook anymore but YouTube, again, if you haven't done so already, it takes you a couple seconds. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Notification bell to get notified of all future uploads. Audio listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you want an audio version, Loki Geek, podcast platform of choice, download this, leave an excellent rating. All that, again, out of the way, this has been Movie Time. I've been Renee. That's been Blake. Thank you so much. Stay cool, stay classy, stay sane. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace out, y'all.